Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America Prospect Handbook Podcast. J.J. Cooper and Josh Norris here today. Howdy. Both back from a uh, Durham Bulls day game. We, we got a game in before the, the, flood. En- the ensuing monsoon we're supposed to get the uh, rest of today and stretching in the rest of the week, I think. But uh, If there were no monsoon, we would be going to see Greensboro and Greenville this afternoon with Jamie Callahan and Teddy Stankiewicz and Manuel Margot and even more guys, but... It's going to rain. I, I, I have gotten to see a good bit of those guys already, thankfully, this year. Well, I'm jealous. Yeah, I got to see spring training, Margot, and, and all those guys. But before we start, we did want to remind you that uh, that you can check out the uh, the Baseball America books. You haven't got your Prospect Handbook yet? Why haven't you? But Prospect Handbook, Directory, all, all those are available. You can just go to BaseballAmerica.com slash store and uh, hook yourself up. And also, if you, as always, if you want to get a subscription, there's a lot of great content that is subscriber-only on the site. Again, just go to baseballamerica.com slash store, and, and you can fix that very quickly. But thanks for the download. We apologize. We've had some technical errors, technical issues that have kept us from doing a prospect podcast first couple weeks of the season. But in that time, I've seen a few games, and Josh has seen... A uh, few more games. Yeah, Josh, so how many games? We are... We are at 20 days roughly into the season right now. I guess that you've probably seen 15, at least 15 games. Something like that. I mean, dating back to the, the beginning of the season, I've probably seen close to 40 to 50 uh, with college and and spring training and everything. I've, I've been around. Like this weekend, I saw five. Yeah, so. and... and Friday, he saw Carlos Rodon, the you know potential a, a top five pick likely in the draft, maybe number, as high as number one, strike out uh, 15, fifteen and an absolute masterwork. And, and then on Saturday, you saw Mike Montgomery and Brad Boxberger combine on a no hitter. I mean, here's how my weekend went: Mike Montgomery was the least impressive pitcher I saw, <laughs> and he threw eight and a third no hit innings. But um, but as we kind of talk, we're going to talk prospects on this show. We're going to talk prospects and. Kind of with that, I'll, I'll throw the open-ended question to you. So I think next week we'll have a different answer on this. If you said, who's the the prospect that you've enjoyed watching the most? Um, because we're going to both get to watch Joey Gallo, which we've both been together, have watched Joey Gallo BPs before. And the game action is awesome sometimes, but the BPs are... Uh, oh, the BPs are, are legendary. But... But, but who is the most interesting prospect, the, most, the guy who stood out to you the most, that means the best prospect, but the guy in the first month of the season, I'll even just let you stretch back, you know, if you want to, to have a, a regular season, and if you're also a spring training guy, if you want. I think the regular season, the guy who did the most for me was uh, Winston-Salem's Tim Anderson, as he gave me a really good night, and I know the, the numbers aren't right there right now as far as strikeouts to walks go, but when you see him in person, you see just how many tools he has. He can hit the ball. He can hit the ball hard. He can run. He's a little shaky at shortstop, but he's got the athleticism to yeah, stay there. He's just not reliable right now. Right, and sometimes his, his throws are a little awkward. But he gave me maybe the best offensive night I've seen from a prospect in seven years of doing this here and at the the, the place I used to work. 
So uh, he he had a, a I think a single, a double, a triple that night. The triple almost went out. He stole some bases and he made some really good plays at short. And I left thinking, okay, this is I can understand why this is a first rounder. And if he puts it all together, he's really talented. My answer for that best game by a prospect I've ever seen. A hitting prospect. Hitting, okay. hitting prospect, best game I've ever seen is his 17-year-old Andrew Jones hitting three home runs in a game. That was, that was, uh, that was as good as it gets. I, I can imagine. I mean, I've seen I've saw Bryce Harper homer on the first pitch he ever saw in my presence. Um, offensive guys, not too many have really done much um, for me. But, uh, but for me, I, I think probably the most impressive thing I've seen this year, I've seen number of things that jump out, but but Raul Mondesi uh, dropping down a bunt and, and turning in a 3-6. Now, he was, it was a jailbreak, but still, I knew he, keep, he keeps getting faster, but to see 80 speed out of him, to go with, I don't think there's really any question he should be able to handle the job defensively at short. You see already, I, I saw him in BP, you know, hit it out both from the left and the right side in game. He's still, he's, he's a little raw. He's an 18-year-old playing in the Carolina League, but he really kind of stood out to me uh, pretty well. Hunter Dozier, who's not having a great start to the year, you're probably another guy who, who really stood out from the standpoint of, I just really like that guy's approach. I really think, you know, again, just talking to scouts about him also, that there seems to be a, a pretty good consensus. Like, that guy's going to hit. I mean, just a very simple, good approach. The best guy that we haven't seen yet, but as far as, like, I, I wanted to let, you know, you, you I, I think I know your answer on this. Who's the guy whose performance, you know, just you do the roundup every day, uh, just stands out to you day after day after day? I mean, it's Mookie Betts. There are no words anymore. When I'm writing the roundup, I can't think of a sentence to write that isn't redundant to the previous day. So I just link funny videos. Like I think there was one with Mookie Betts where I just wrote, you can set your watch by him. And then I linked a video of a guy setting his watch. Every day, 49 straight games on base, 53 if you count last year's playoffs. Or it might be 54 now. Te- technically, I'll, I'll say this. You can't, to me, you can't include the playoffs because then you have to include the AFL too. I'd be curious to go look back. I, I don't think he got on base every game in the AFL. So that would end the streak if you include the playoffs. I mean, not only has he gotten on base in every game this year, he's only had one game without a hit this year. And he's athletic, and he plays second base. Excellent second base defensively. And he's blocked. Yes. <laughs> he's blocked in, in Fenway. And, and really, the funny thing about it is, is that it's hard to see. It's hard to envision how he ends up playing in Boston, because if you squint real hard, you know, you could say, okay, I've talked to guys who say I think he could be a good center fielder. Well, yeah, I think that may be true, but is that maybe you know, are you is he gonna be a better center fielder than Jackie Bradley? Right. Okay, and he had trouble when he played shortstop before, but there was some talk that maybe he'll play a little bit of shortstop this year, but. Now, long term, maybe he ends up, you know, maybe Xander Bogarts ends up moving to third. But I don't, again, he's got Devin Marrero also coming up right. behind him. And where does that leave Will Middlebrooks? <laughs> and by the way, we haven't even talked about Garen Cicchini yet. Garen Cicchini, yeah, Garen Cicchini, and they've got Blake Swihart coming. That's a... Let, let's say July comes around, they're going to have the potential to get an absolute centerpiece at the deadline. Right, they have the they have the pieces. When I mean, when you talk about people make silly trades to go out and get guys like Giancarlo Stanton, they could do it and still have a good farm system. Yeah. They've got guys and we'll, you'll see a guy on Friday that not many people know about. They've got guys that that you've never heard of that aren't on radars yet that are going to blow up soon. 
their system is just flush. It's it's a it's an impressive system. Um, the guy I, I'll talk about to me another guy who's really kind of stood out as far as performance is Gregory Polanco. I, I think we at this point it you know as as our Ben Badler tweeted I, I thought it was pretty good like the, the Pirates are saying what they have to say. Oh, he's working on some things. We're not going to tell you exactly what it is because we don't want the men to attack him. You know, when he with those things when he gets to the big league level and all that. But he's got some things he's working on. And as Ben tweeted, it's amazing. But whatever he's working on will probably resolve itself right after the Super Two deadline. Um, and at this point, we're a month into the season, close to a month into the season, and he, you couldn't dominate. The trip, you know, the international league, much more than he has in the in the first month of the season. It's been unreal. The thing that stands out with Polanco um, uh, for a what's to expect Gregory Polanco thing we had two weeks ago on the site. You can go to baseballamerica.com, our fantasy section, and find it pretty easily. But I watched every pitch, every at, every pitch of every at bat that Polanco's had, with the exception of the first day of the season, because on MILB TV, the first day, they had some archiving problems. So, But watching every pitch, they go back and chart those, though, because they had Game Center. I'd but, like to point out here, when J.J. goes down a rabbit hole, he comes out a rabbit. Yeah, I, I, I get pretty in, intense. Um, but uh, but watching every pitch, the thing that stood out is, is you're talking about a 6'4", six 6'5", foot six foot guy with you know power. The power, you don't see it as much in the games right now as you see it in BP, as you see it, you know, but it's there. But he has the approach of a grinder on a uh, leadoff guy. Uh, you know, he doesn't draw. It's funny thing is he's not drawn that many walks, but every at bat is is a deep count. He generally takes the first pitch, whatever it is. He wants to look at something. He usually will take. He if you are, if you really had a criticism, you could almost say that sometimes he's too passive because he likes to get deep into counts, kind of sort through and kind of narrow the pitcher down to what the pitcher's going to do. Uh, again, one of the things that really stood out to me that was fun to watch was in this one game where a guy was busting him in, you see Polanco step out of the, uh, step out of the uh, batter's box, practice his swing, and he's practicing it to really try to get the bat in, you know, bat head out quick. He knows he's got to get his hands in so he can hit the inside pitch. Speed up your hands, speed up your hands. You can see him working on it. Steps back in, and he rips a double down the line. Exactly what he was trying to do. He knew what he was doing. And, and there it goes. He's, to me, like, Springer's already up. George Springer for the Astros is already up. I, I said at the time, and I, I think it's true, I think Gregory Polanco will have a easier transition to the big league level than George Springer. George Springer struggled since he came up. That's not a giant surprise. George Springer has a pull-heavy approach. If it's on the inside half, he's, gonna, he's really going to destroy it. At AAA, pitchers weren't able to execute a game plan to take advantage of his weaknesses. Big league pitchers can. Still, his two-strike approaches a lot of times are pretty long swings still. It's going to get better for Springer, but he's going to have... Springer has to go through this where he faces these problems at the big league level because he won't find them at AAA and, and deal with them. Polanco is going to be a little bit more of an all-field approach. It's going to be, I think, a little bit easier transition when he comes up. Yeah, absolutely, and I think we should just underscore how rare it is to see a minor leaguer. I mean, Polanco's 21, right? 22, maybe, yeah, 22, right, yeah. With an advanced approach. I mean, they're, they're, they're not that many of them. I can think of three. Gregory Polanco, Jonathan Singleton was the same way when I saw him in Lakewood. He would take strike one and then strike two and have no fear at all. 
and the guy I saw today, Ramon Flores. He has a, a Yankees outfielder corner. Not the same prospect caliber, but the man, man can, can work. Hit. Man can hit. Man can work deep counts. He would have three home runs this series, two to opposite field, if there weren't giant fences in Durham. He's a professional hitter, but he's not enough power for a corner and not enough defense for center. It's he, a, he's an interesting trade chip, I think. Well, he's a, he ends up being he's a he's a piece, but he ends up being usually that's the guy kind of guy who ends up being a complimentary piece. Um, you know, it's it's the kind of guy who he ends up being useful at some point potentially, but. If you got him starting him, you're probably trying to replace him. If you got him on your bench, you're probably like, hey, that's a useful guy to have on the bench. And that's what those guys end up to me often often end up being. Um, on the pitching side, have you seen anyone in the you know have you talked to anyone scout wise who jumped out that really stands out to you besides the guy will save your you know Friday you got a scouts view coming up a video scouts view on a uh, a Red Sox prospect that we'll uh, we'll save for then. That that guy kind of rocked my world. Um, Pitching guy, I've talked to two scouts recently who who mentioned Jake DeGrom with the Mets. And both of them said that if they needed a call-up right now, you wouldn't go with Syndergaard, you wouldn't go with Montero, you would go with Jacob DeGrom, who's throwing mid-90s with a, a, a nasty slider and a decent change-up. And I, I, I think they might have been at the same start, quite frankly, the way they were talking. But he sounds like he's another less-talked-about third guy in the, the Mets pitching triumvirate behind... Syndergaard and Montero. So. And, and really has better stuff than, than Montero, a little bit. Like yeah. Montero stuff's solid, but DeGrom probably has a little bit better. Hey, I think the Mets system right now is as good as it's been in quite a while, mainly because they have the pitching that they have. You, you talked about, you know, those three. You go down a little further down. You got Steven Matz. You got some other guys. I mean, it's it's a pretty interesting – Brandon Nemo, on the, on, offensively, Brandon Nemo's having a great start to his Florida State League career. As well as Dilson Herrera, may I, may I add. Pick up from the Pirates last year. There are a lot of guys in the Florida State League, for some reason, who are hitting like wildfire that they don't seem like they should. I, I'm, I'm a Dilson Herrera fan. I, I can see very much why the Pirates traded him because they've got Neil Walker at the big league level at second base. Alan Hansen may end up being a second baseman long term. Dilson Herrera was behind both those guys, right. but um, you know. But at the same time, I think he could be a very useful player for the, uh, for the right. Best. And I'm not trying to down Dilson as a prospect, but the numbers are so high that yeah. he, that's they're not sustainable. Well, I was going to say Ranger Ravello to me is the guy who stands out that way. It's like wow. I mean, I, I like Ravello a little bit, but man, his start to his season in Double A has been insane. Yeah, he and he and Micah Johnson are doing very well there. Um, but uh, again, White Sox are a team that I think the farm system's better than it was, you know, been for quite a while. It's yeah. another team that's farm systems improved some. Um, yeah, and Courtney Hawkins has started pretty hot, too. I mean, he's starting to hit the ball. Well, he's not starting to hit the ball out. He's hitting the ball out with more regularity. He's not striking out a ton. He doesn't look great doing it sometimes, but he's he's showing that eight it, power. It, it's now, it, it's one of the things where what he's showing now is, is, okay, the power, it's still risk risky because there still are holes in that swing. There still are questions about, you know, how well he's going to be able to handle a very advanced pitching, but he has enough power. It's kind of it's a it's a lesser version of the Joey Gallo debate. Like Joey Gallo, to me, I'll say it again, has so much power, productive power, not see it in BP, but productive power that you see in games. There, you can't find guys with that kind of productive power who don't end up with big league careers. I, I just I, I I hate to be so absolutionist about it, but. 
I really can't think of a guy. William Opeña didn't have a great career. William Opeña had stupid power. Admittedly, it was a better runner than Gallup. He ended up having two or three years where he was a useful big leaguer. And William Opeña, because of the contract he signed and everything, you know, signed to a major league deal, he was out of options by like age 22 and was rushed and all that kind of stuff. Joey Gallo doesn't face those issues. Like, let's say that what we're seeing right now from Gallo, where he's not striking out as much and he's walking except for the last couple of nights, let's say those adjustments are at least three quarters real. What kind of monster do the Rangers have on their hands? Oh. A uh, third baseman who can hit, I can't even think of a number high enough, home runs. Well, again, he had 40 last year. And, and he, he missed, missed a month. He missed you 20 games. I mean, you're, you're talking about, again, you're talking about it flat out, not a question to me, the best power in the minors. When you're talking about big leaguers who have that kind of power, okay, you mentioned Giancarlo Stanton. Um, would you say that's more? Would you say he has more power than Gallo? I'd say they're similar. I mean, I remember when Stanton was coming up, uh, it's the same kind of things. I mean, like, guys calling, like, the home run he hit last night, you you know. I remember actually, probably somewhere, it's still on the website somewhere, but I remember a home run that he hit when he was in the Southern League, Stanton did, where actually getting out Google Maps pedometer and clicking from home plate, and it was like, yeah, that's like 490 feet. I think there's a book to be had somewhere, or at least a small series of books. Do you remember when mm-hmm. blank guy hit this, Joey Gallo hit this ball, Giancarlo Stanton hit this ball, Cody Johnson hit this I, ball? I, right after Josh started with us, we went to a series in Greensboro, and I think it was three games in a row with watching Gallo and Lewis Brinson and Jorge Alfaro and, you know, just keep going. Uh, and Omar was, you know, it, it was a fun, fun series to watch. But Gallo, I remember one day that we decided, hey, let's go out and see where these balls you know, actually landed. And there was a guy holding a ball. It's like, where did that hit? And you, you look and see, it's like, okay, so he in Greensboro, the park is set in downtown. And so there's a road driving. I, and I parked actually too close. But uh, there's a road behind the right field fence. And he cleared, you know, we were like, oh, he cleared the road. I mean, that's, and he cleared the road to the power alley. Not to, you know, not down the line. He cleared the road where there was a good, a large amount of concrete before you got to the road behind the fence. It was, that was just insane. And if you remember correctly, that was an appetizer. Because the next three games, he had a three home run game and a two home run game. Yeah. In, back in Hickory. The power is, there are no adjectives, there are no superlatives too strong. Uh, again, uh, one of my disappointments from last year was is that Gallo got hurt. When we talk about he missed time, Gallo didn't get to go to the Futures game. And uh, we've seen some amazing BPs at the Futures games over the years. Uh, there's a, I, I really wonder, you know, if Joey Gallo... The, the stories I've already... I, I, I could tell you five or six more. Like, I remember spring training... Uh, talking to someone, talking about you know, spring training in 2013, and he hit a ball, and then like uh, Wash was talking, you know, the manager was talking and uh, to some some guys and all, and then like you just wait, 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 and eventually you hear this noise, and they're like, what? And you realize, oh, that ball finally landed in the seats, and we talked, we saw it at, at, at Greensboro where Gallo would hit one where he hit it high. And then the next one would be a line drive. And you were like wondering if the second ball 
would actually catch the first ball. I mean, that's that's the dichotomy of two home runs he hit during that series. One was a line drive that went 450 feet, and if it had hit the flagpole, it would have knocked the flagpole <laughs> over. The other, he missed the pitch flat out. He he hit it. Most people break their bats on that pitch, and he popped it up 380. Uh, it it's disgusting. Again, the, the the thing about it is is that. What's been encouraging to see this year is is he simplified his swing a little bit, a little less load, but more than anything, we saw it last year. Last year, Joey Gallo at 0-2, 1-2, 2-2, 3-2, it was, can I hit this ball 575 feet? This year, from all reports that we're getting, nowadays, he actually shortens up a little bit. The thing about Joey Gallo, when Joey Gallo shortens up, it just means the homer goes less far. Right. It, it, it doesn't mean that he can't destroy a baseball. It just means that he has a little bit more controlled swing to do it. The funny thing is, last year, his BP swing last year was a more controlled swing than his in-game swing. Much like a golfer's practice swing right. is that's much not, different. It's not a bad, that's not a good sign. But this year, he's, he's more under control. It's a better approach. The other thing that stands out that I found fascinating with him when we were doing Hot Sheet last week is that Joey Gallo doesn't hit doubles. Joey Gallo hits singles. He hits some triples. He hits some, and he hits gobs of homers. But for the amount of power he has, the number of doubles he puts up is shockingly small. He actually averages almost two home runs per double. No one. I mean, when we, no one that we, we have a database that has everyone in it who's played in the minor leagues 2007 to present. So uh, essentially eight years, you know, seven and a half, seven years and change now. Um, And then in addition to that, it also includes anyone who's played in the big leagues from 2007 up and their entire minor league career. So it's a pretty large database. And I I ran a, a, a query on this last week, just kind of asking the question, okay, how does that compare to other big, you know, big minor leaguers and big leaguers in their minor league time? And the answer is, is it doesn't compare because no one else that we could find, no one else, he has 1.9 home runs per double. No one else in baseball in our database has more than 1.6 home runs per double. And you get down to, there's only like 60 guys out of a field of literally 25,000 players who've had a one-to-one ratio. The thing about it is, is we've both seen it. He's not. He's, he's fast for his size. He's not fast, but for his size, he runs pretty well. But Joey Gallo either hits the ball out, hits a grounder, which is his singles, but he doesn't really get a chance to hit many doubles because usually the ball's hit too hard to double, to, right. get, to get two bases. Like The only way he's going to double is if he hits a ball, it would be home run uh, velocity off the bat, but it's too low. So but, he, or he gets a gap. He yeah. doesn't get a gap, but a lot of times those are triples for him. So let's let's change it up a little bit. Just whose yeah. starts uh, have been disappointing to you? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Um, I'll I'll kick it off yeah. with maybe Javier Baez. I mean he's hitting, yeah. he's hitting like 160 right now. He's he's had the injury, which isn't you know isn't his fault. He's also been disciplined for an outburst in the dugout, and you know this is not what you expect. You expect a guy. To be, you know, kind of tapping Starlin Castro on the shoulder, saying, "You know, your time's up." I think that with him, you see this sometimes. It's funny. 
it's good and bad. The worst thing that you can do as a guy who's going to AAA in some ways is have a great spring training. Because I, I think a lot of times these guys, if you have a great spring training and then you still go to AAA, there is, a, there is the spring training hangover. You were in the big league camp. You belonged. You didn't look like you were outmatched or anything like that. And so you get away from doing what you did in the big, you know, when you were in spring training. You try to, you know, hit a five-run homer every time you're, at the, you know, up, coming up, you know, with no one on base. Um, and I think that's happened somewhat with Baez. And I do think also that we have, I mean, all the way, I mean, when he was dra in his draft day year, the questions were, it's like, okay, we want to see some more maturity. We, we're still seeing questions about that. Now, again, I, I signed me up. I, again, a guy with his kind of power at that age, I, I expect great things. I think he'll have a better rest of the year, but I agree with you completely as far as a guy who's really started off in a way that you go, Ooh. Uh, another guy I would say, um, not nearly the prospect at this point that, that Javier Baez is, Bubba Starling. Um, we both got to see him when Wilmington came into Winston-Salem earlier, talked to some scouts about him who kind of agree with what we saw, which is the swing is still just, it's got too many parts. And the reality of it is, is that a, as he's maturing, there's still a lot of the tools there, but they're not as loud even necessarily. I mean, he still can run well, very well for a guy his size. There's, but you got to square up the ball like to have to have even raw power. You got to be squaring the ball up consistently, at least in BP. It's not necessarily happen all the time, and he's very very pitchable. No, when I saw him, it was I mean to be hyperbolic. It was really really ugly. You turned away like you're watching a car crash when he swung, especially when you're looking at the open side. It, it, he was tentative to the point where a guy with a BP fastball could have gotten it by him, I thought. And, and again, talking to a couple of scouts who've seen him, it was like, yeah, it, it's just really hard to see his swing, his approach really working out. Now, this was a big, this is a big year for him. He came into the season coming off of, he had Lasix the last couple of months of the season in, in uh, Lexington last year. He played very the best he's ever really played uh, you know, as a pro. So there was kind of the questions of, okay, is he going to build on that? Now, it's admittedly a tough place to hit in, in, in Wilmington. But so far, uh, last I checked, I think it was 136 batting average. That's not really what you're, what you're looking for. No, that's not all Wilmington. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, obviously, I, I think the other disappointing, the real disappointing thing we've seen this year has been injuries. You know, we've had Archie Bradley went on the DL today. We haven't seen Byron Buxton yet. We're not going to see Miguel Sano all year. Mac Williams. Mac Williamson, you know, TJ. Um, yeah, that's been a really disappointment is that... Jose Campos of the Yankees, TJ. Mm -hmm. It's There's been a lot of disappointment of guys. I, hopefully we'll see Byron Buxton before long, but... And if we're going to talk about injuries, I feel so incredibly horrible for Tommy Joseph with the, with the Phillies. Another DL's trip with concussion-like symptoms. You got to worry that this is just a career. A take killer. off the mask, son. It, it, you're, you're done as a catcher. I, I just, I hate to say, I it, worry about you as a human being. Right. I, 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 it's hard to see how he can stay back there, because you're going to keep taking plow balls off the mask. I mean, it's going to happen. And the reality of it is, is that it's a, from everything. Again, I'm not a doctor, but I've read about this stuff. You know, and. There seems to be a lot of research that shows you 
the more concussions you have, the more susceptible you are to concussions. So it's a cascading effect. I mean, this is something where it's it's happening over and over for him. Yeah, but I mean, I don't even know what to do. That's why he fell so far in my rankings this year was because he's had, I think it was two or three concussions, and you're not going to be a catcher if you have that many concussions. So there's not, you got another one now, so it's a problem, I think. Yeah, it's, um, but it's it's been an interesting April. It's been fun. I mean, it's. And I, I'll also note, guys who have been disappointing, I talked to a couple of scouts. I, I did the Yankees for the handbook. <laughs> I know what you're going to say now. And Jagailo, the reviews the reviews on Eric Jagailo couldn't be uglier. There are, there are, there's two scouts who have zero question that he's not going to play third base. It was like four range or three range and a four arm at third base, not going to hit. Uh, he'll get, I think one of the guys said he'll probably hit a few home runs and that'll get him to all star teams. But I mean, in, this, the, in the minors, right? In the minors. And this is too. No one you've talked to is projecting all star teams at the no, minors. No, no, no. I mean, it's the same. The, the, the question with the Tampa team has been you've got three guys there in Jagailo and Bichette and O'Brien who are all first basemen. And you're going to have Greg Bird come in there, who is a first baseman. It's the same type of prospect, four places, and you don't know where that's going to play in the major leagues, especially with the Yankees, where you've got Mark Teixeira there for the next, I don't know, eon. And well, only only half the year because he's going to be on the DL. Well, then you got then you got uh, Brian McCann in line for that in a few years. So it's a very bad start to the year for their system, at least at that level. You've got interesting guys below them. And a few interesting guys above them, but that team right now is not where you want it to be. Another uh, speaking of injuries, Slade Heathcott again hurt, which that's another guy who's had a lot of trouble staying healthy. Yeah, and that's that's less less concerning to me because we knew he was hurt coming. It, right. it, it, it's it's uh, recovering from the effects of surgery. It's just taking longer than they let on. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's not like a new injury, if that, to, leave right. it to my knowledge. But. Uh, but well, we wanted to have we wanted to be back on the prospect. We we will do this more regularly now. We promise, guys. But thanks for the download. We will uh, have our draft. You know, we'll have more draft podcasts, more college podcasts, and more prospect podcasts coming up uh, in the uh, in the very near future. Thanks again for downloading the Baseball America Prospect Handbook podcast. For Josh Norris, I'm JJ Cooper. Thanks again. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.